Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the Tyree Film Movie Debate, hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. Oh, darling, and I'm William Johnson. Oh, I, I can hear the cigarette breath right in between each of those lines. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake and lung cancer, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off, the cigs are lit, and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're going to talk about the best smoking movie of 2023. That is Maestro. Written, directed, starring, producing, and done, I'm sure, 800 other things by Bradley Cooper. Our format is this. The recommending lover will go first. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. The hater will follow with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we'll put it up for about 30 minutes to share a conversation with a hiss if it really gets chippy. The Oscars are getting warm, and Bradley Cooper's back for more nominations, so let's go. Yeah, well, um... Yeah, what, what do you think? What's, what's the over-under, you think? Because okay. right now, as especially because of A Star is Born, even though he got other yeah. Oscar nominations uh, for American Sniper and uh, uh, Silver Linings Playbook, I believe, mm-hmm. he's currently at 7. He's 0 for 7, I think, right? Or 0 for yeah, 8, something like that. So yeah, what's the over-under on how many nominations he's going to have by the end of this Oscar season total for his career? Uh, see, After Maestro. Um, I do think I think best actor is crowded where him and best actor I'd love to see him in best actor preview of what we're going to talk about here but uh I'd love to see him in best actor I think he deserves it I don't know if he's going to get that shot it's a crowded field but I think picture in a obviously a 10 Oscar field you're up to 10 Oscar he's in shoe I think the movie's a shoe in for best picture um I think the movie the way you divide screenplay nominations being an uh, I have to look at the originals and how many originals are there. I think he's got a good shot of a screenplay nomination. And then I don't think there's another thing that he's got his pie, finger in the pie for where mm-hmm. I'll say two, which means Vegas will say two and a half and make me pick you know, best actor two. So his, okay. he's probably plus minus two and a half for two more nominations that he will go oh for. Again, yeah. Which so, is so, so he'll at least. So you're saying he'll at least get to nine. I'm gonna go yeah. the over. I'm and gonna say he's gonna get to ten. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's get to ten. I, I would love um, to see him in Best Actor field. I, I I think he's fantastic. I think he's wonderful as that in that in that role in this movie. Um, and to go with the other seven things he did, but uh, I just know the year. I mean, I think we both are seeing this in terms of the Oscar landscape, where this movie, while being I think in someone else's eyes, and I'll start my five minutes just being that guy. I'm the lover first here. Cool. No, this movie definitely feels like I don't use the term Oscar bait anymore, but I know a lot of people do. And this is the one that a lot of um, I've seen casual fans. I've seen hoity toity film critics call this Oscar bait. And yeah, um, I think when you see a person put their heart and soul into making a prestigious film, I hate that they get chopped down for being Oscar bait. Why wouldn't you want to make and do your best and do something that is respected by your peers and, and, and the rest of your industry and field. So I, I call that doing a fucking good job. Um, I won't call that Oscar bait until the studios 
make it more Oscar baity in terms of the way they market it and push it in. Netflix has so many irons in the fire this year when it comes to Oscars between this and May, December and Society of the Snow, um, that, where they just have a lot going. I'm not, they don't have really a full court press on any of those particular ones. Um, I was able to, speaking of kind of where this is going, I know this is kind of bleeding into five, but that's all right. Um, being a voting member of the Critics' Choice Association, um, Netflix actually paid for me and everyone else in the CCA to come to Los Angeles uh, about a month ago and um, see this movie kind of on, you know, in a premiere kind of setting at their at their house, so to speak. So Netflix owns a theater or two in, in this in the city in Los Angeles and uh, brought us to a swanky um, buffet before buffet after. Saw the movie on the on their screen. Um, the next day we had press conferences with uh, some of their below the title people in terms of um, costume design, production design, and sound. And then the next day we had a press conference with uh, Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan, where I actually got a question answered. Um, I had to ask it on the spot and answer and get it answered by Carrie Mulligan, which is pretty damn cool. So for the movie, and that's the thing, let me kind of cir circle that all back to say, um, I see a passionate filmmaker and a driven creator and a talented individual putting their heart and soul into a movie that they've obviously found, um, found a, a place to care about a, a through line to make a good story and a place to kind of apply their wares and passions to make something just stupendous. When you look at the credits of this movie and the and you see the producer credits or the executive producer credits that include Spielberg and Scorsese, it's not like he's just Bradley Cooper's just begging and you know trying to kind of hey look at me. He's he's working with the best to do the best and he's learned from the best along the way. And when you see a guy do that and apply what he can do and he and he's been working on this the entire six years since Star is Born, uh, as I learned, um, and to the point of like. Obviously, the the makeup controversy in terms of how Jewish he needs to look is, is somebody else's argument than mine. But to see the man go through months and years of practicing how to conduct an orchestra, because when you watch this movie and you see the orchestrational scenes, it's not many. And there's one big centerpiece, one in the middle. That's him um, conducting the London Symphony Orchestra, uh, the London Symphony Orchestra, the one that Williams uses um, on the spot in camera on film doing a take for a movie where the camera and everything else in the scene is working while he's doing that while they're capturing audio on the spot. This isn't an orchestra just screwing around just on camera. This They shot this, they captured the audio in, in film, uh, which is in, just is stupendous. And then they do this in actual settings with a full audience. So when I saw Bradley Cooper do that and then learn how Bradley Cooper did that, my respect for this movie just jumped a, a thousand percent because you, I think you, for me, and we've talked about this in the show, you want to see dynamic things and original works. You want to see things that aren't so formulaic and whatnot. And this, this could have easily been just a greatest hits of Leonard Bernstein biopic where it's birth to death and little stop here, little stop there. Whereas this movie takes with Carrie Mulligan, this perfect through line of like just scenes of a marriage and how that more or less defines really any of us in our lives, like we all might have our great careers and our huge highlights and all the things that we do with ourselves that, that the public sees or our bosses see or that things that get written down on paper that we do great on. But what makes a person more than anything, I believe, is how you are as a person when, when the cameras are off and you are being yourself. And to see that side of Leonard Bernstein and his wife, Felicia. And to see the complicated love story that happens along the way, the the temptations, the homosexuality, it, it's um, they found a story that isn't typical to tell about an atypical person and, and, a, and a great person at that. And it pulls no punches, uh, has a whole lot of heart 
um, has a whole lot of, again, expertise and talent going into it. And when I see all those things come together, I see something that I can't name many other people in the business that can do and pull off in a way that just builds it all together as a complete picture, especially in a year where I watch Christopher Nolan, in my opinion, put a lot of things together, but kind of still miss a few beats with it comes to Oppenheimer. I watched Scorsese fucking mailing it in and <laughs> fully endorse the postal service then to get what he's getting going. And he spends another 40 minutes than Cooper does here. So when I come and I wouldn't do this other than on the bar still here, cinephile his fit. But when I look at what Cooper did here in Maestro and I compare it with what other people have done in, with, 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 with bigger budgets, with bigger ideas, with huger th pictures, with um, bigger ideas or basing things off books. This is the other thing is this is an original screenplay where they kind of took the, you know, they interviewed his children, took the notes of his life and put this together. I just see so much more. Um. I see so much more talent. I see so much more value. I see so much more quality than I do in other things this year where for me, this is one of the best pictures of the year. Nice. Nice. Um, I hate to be the, the, the bearer of bad news or whatever you want to call it. I mean, <laughs> just to, and just to verify, because you and I encounter this a lot on social media, like I gave this three stars. So this doesn't mean I hated it. It doesn't mean I think it's bad. It doesn't mean, just means I think it was fine, and that's okay. Um, I, I think the reason for that is is twofold. Now, I I am no longer a trailer guy like I used to be, uh, thanks to Don and many of his associates. Um, however, um, there are certain you know materials that you're given, like press materials, or uh, you look at like a summary of something, uh, and uh, or sometimes you're forced to see a trailer because you're at the movie theater or whatever. This one, because it's Netflix, because it's Bradley Cooper, because it's got Spielberg and Scorsese behind it, you know, it's got a lot of play in terms of they're trying to sell it. And I saw a lot of commercials, like either on Tubi or, you know, just whatever, throughout watching football, whatever. And I think a lot of it comes down to advertising, how, it, how this movie is advertised. Now, we're not talking about expectations the dreaded expectations but um the way they market a movie or they tell you about a movie is about can play into how you watch this movie and like i'm going to read to you the official summary of maestro uh, I, i'm assuming this this is on letterbox but i'm assuming it came from probably the press materials but it says a portrait of leonard bernstein's singular charisma and passion for music as he rose to fame as america's first native-born world-renowned conductor, all along following his ambition to compose both symphonic and popular Broadway works. Um, that is not what the movie is about <laughs> at all. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, one thing the commercials did, and it was driving me nuts when I would see it. I couldn't, res I couldn't get away from it. It was, it was shown in a place that I could not see it, was they would show that scene where uh, him and um, Carrie Mulligan meet for the first time and she says something and then it zoomed in on Bradley Cooper's face. Like he is just in awe and in love with this woman. And then they try to sell it as kind of a, a love story. And it is in a way, but like you said, it's more of like scenes from a marriage than like a love story. And plus it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to um, our, our main hero here, Leonard Bernstein. So 
Some of it is even from trying to avoid things like trailers, maybe being misled a little bit about what the film is, but you adapt, you watch a movie, you, you go, okay, this is not what it was advertised. It happens. So let's see what we have. And what I got was um, a phenomenal directing performance. I'll give it that. If we want to call it a performance, uh, a, a directing job that's phenomenal uh, by Bradley Cooper. He knows how to direct a film. Uh, I was a little bit more enchanted with the first uh, frantic 45 minutes than the, the remainder. Uh, but he knows how to direct a movie. And so you know you're going to watch something really special. Um, I think the biggest issue here uh, is the characters. Uh, and not that they're not real or anything, but um, a, the, the term I've been hearing a lot with criticism is uh, keeping the audience at arm's length is what I hear. Um, it's very difficult to connect for me with these characters uh, only because I don't know anything about them. I, I think you have to kind of be, this is kind of similar to what was the, what was the movie that Andrew Garfield did? Um, last Hacksaw year? Ridge? No, last no, 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 no. The one he did about the Broadway guy. Um, oh, TikTok yeah, boom. TikTok boom. Or, yeah. Yeah, TikTok boom or whatever the hell it's called. Anyway, the, I think like you have to have kind of a deeper knowledge of who this person is to kind of appreciate the story. Because like I said, when I read to you that summary, I don't know a lot about Bernstein. In fact, I actually thought this movie was about um, Sondheim for the longest time. Uh, now, obviously they work together on West Side Story, but I don't really know a lot about this person. And I think, I think the basics of a biopic, whether you want to focus on it in a, uh, subversive way. And what I mean by subversive is like, you take something like Steve jobs, right? Where it kind of looks at like three specific speeches in his life and what's happening around those speeches. It's not a traditional death death or life to death biopic. Um, you still have to kind of understand what these characters are about and what the people are. And I never really was able to get that impression so much so that like, I still am looking up information about Leonard Bernstein. And I, and I know that you can, you can have a different approach and have a vibe and a feel, but I feel like this one doesn't really sell the biopic part. And as a result, I'm kind of left with more strangers and I'm, I'm, I'm clawing for more information uh, about this person and about his wife and things like that. And we'll, we'll get into more of that because my five minutes is up about the characterizations themselves, but um, it's, Visually stunning, uh, sound-wise very stunning, but narratively very distant, and I just could not connect with it. I got you. All right, well, let me get the bell. <laughs> All right, uh, hang tight, and please enjoy the short announcement for the Ruminations Radio Network. You've seen Twin Peaks all the way through, but all you have are spoiler-free discussions? At Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. All right, welcome back. Yeah, no, um, I'll, I'll push back and say that for what I needed to know about these characters, I feel like I got in those first 45 minutes, for example, to see, obviously you see his... Personal and, and his, I don't want to say great sexual, but I mean, you see his romantic interests pretty early on, and they don't have to wave a big creep like this says, gay. You know, you mm -hmm. get a picture pretty quick that 
he, you know, he's going looking in that direction, but at the same time, still looks in Felicia's direction. I think that scene they share together on that, that when they do meet and then they have that little theatrical little thing where she makes him do line readings in those pieces. And then uh, a scene right after is like after they make love, and they're discussing what kind of who they are and what they are laying down a little bit, you know, post-coital. I think there's enough character notes there where I, I get where that's going to go. But after that, you do take a jump between them and then being the successful married couple with two kids and you you have that you know that television interview that kind of uh, you know it talks about bernstein and where he is and what he is and then obviously from there you either see the good parts of the marriage or the bad parts of marriage as they come out and by the time i get there and then you have that framing device of kind of like where his lament is coming from and it's, it's and it's about her you know simply enough her i miss her terribly um that's mm -hmm. not enough you know um now I got enough as the man. Did I get enough as the career composer? Um, that's you're right. That is debatable. I think I think a shorter version of this movie is definitely what you're talking about. Where you take like, if this was just a microcosm of Leonard Bernstein, like while he's making West Side Story, you know, like the the the, the mm, six yeah, time, just do that. Like, can you get a thumbnail thumbnail of a man in a shorter part period of time? Um, I've seen that done in biopics too, where kind of like tick sure. tick boom, you get a thumbnail of that man's life just when he's trying to figure out the play before he does rent, you know, and, and right, that's a right. way of getting to know him. But at the same time, I see what you mean about arm's length. I think the arm's length also becomes personal life versus private life and what, what, what you're allowed to see, what you're not allowed to see and what they're wanting to show and what not to show. It was cool for me to learn. And it helped me a lot. Um, was, um, his children were very involved. His three children are still with us. And, um, um, we're helpful with Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan's research and, and just putting their stamp of approval on this story of like the access to their family home, access to their, you know, their wardrobe, their jewelry. I mean, just crazy things like that. And mm -hmm. it came out with my question to Mulligan. I said, I, I asked her, I said, what, um, what stories or what details did you kind of glean off of like her children? You know, and, and she just kind of explained like the meeting them and discussing with them and what it was like and the, the goals that she wanted after meeting them, her goal of wanting what she wanted the, this movie to be. And she's like, I just wanted to make a family you wanted to be a part of, you know, um, a loving family, a supportive family. Obviously it has their, their demons and their, their ugly things. But at the end of the day, when they're out there in Northern Connecticut or wherever that vacation home is, like it mm -hmm. is home. Um, and it is two successful people who still put their family first where they can. Uh, we don't see a ton of that. We don't see a lot of cuddly Dudley, you know, let's make snowmen in the snow scenes. There's not a lot of direct, let me love mom, my children scenes, but you can tell it's a supportive household, especially by the time you get to that cancer final third. So I, I got well, enough, but I see what you mean. It's a, it's I, a colder movie for that. I guess when it comes to like celebrity, I guess. Yeah. I, and what they're known for. I mean, it's called Maestro. He's known for the music. I, I, I don't mind personal details because that influences, sure. but I, I do like to know how the music like we get the we get the impression that he's obviously very passionate and sure. you know he's he's sitting he's you know he's sitting up there sweating to death you know going crazy with the with the composing and everything and that's and that's great um but i, I don't feel like i understand why he is the master other than that they're telling me that and what yeah. they are focusing on is is fine. The personal life stuff is I, I don't have a problem with it, though I do think the um you know the cheating husband mm, uh, even though yeah. even though it's a different angle in, with the fact that he may be bi or completely yeah. gay and he's just you know I think or, that, or a wife that 
semi most of the way condones it. You know, it's well, yeah, but I, I, the house, you know, I find I found that part of the story a little like played out. Like I've we've seen that before, and I, I was That's hoping true. with with the way the direction is. Uh, yeah, and and with how unique the direction is, how unique the approach is, I was hoping for something narratively a little bit more, uh, not advanced but different, okay. like to, to suit I, the filmmaking style. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of my my take on it. For me, the unassailable twenty minute stretch that for me is kind of the microcosm of like, like you're trying to say, like what can a director do that make this not a typical biopic, and to right. and to give us peaks and valleys layered up against each other that challenge us. And for me, there's about a 20, 22 minute stretch from that fight on Thanksgiving with the parade folks going by, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Pretty cool. What a, what a unique way of doing an argument. Yes, um, absolutely. So they have a knockdown, drag out, no cut fight in a, in a living room while the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade is going by. Um, and they say all kinds, I mean, great performances from the actors. They do like a mid brain shot. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a two for, it's not intercut between two faces. You, you're just sitting in that couch watching that scene go on. Um, right, they go right. from that to some side scenes of the two of them kind of doing their own thing on their own spots. You can see some degradation in him where he's just the uh, he's got the beard by then. He's got a quick scene where he's just kind of laissez faire about it. You can tell he's got a downward spin with his conducting. She's trying some television stuff, you know, just doing something different with her acting career and feeling really positive. Then that t- that kind of jumps you to. Because the daughter's kind of there going, like, you know, there's a little bit of like, hey, I hope dad's okay. And they're trying to figure that out. Then you jump to the centerpiece of the movie, which is that massive Eli Cathedral scene, which they nailed on the second take, which is incredible. Um, yeah. And it's that whole, you know, there's long takes there. And there's a there's a, about a one and a half in there where you're just on you're on Cooper and the camera somehow is craning, you know, through orchestra members, through the singers to the side. Mm-hmm. And then you see, holy shit, she's there. You know, she's there at his biggest moment to support him. And and the first thing he does when he's done up there is go embrace her sweaty, kissy, all just all the emotions um, well, where out of in, in, in yeah. his biggest moment, it's, it's him. And then from that scene, you immediately jump from the biggest moment of, that you can have for him to their lowest moment as a as a married couple, which is her cancer diagnosis in a super quiet, no audience doctor's room and how those scenes and how just the emotions, the roller coaster you're on from Thanksgiving to that doctor's appointment and how they're going to springboard from that and how he changes himself to be like, I'm going to be home. I'm going to figure this out. And you reach that family chapter of the story where it's just figuring out how to deal with this disease and be home. And, but for those 20 minutes from end of the doctor's appointment, well, I should say from the Thanksgiving fight to the end of the doctor's appointment, holy shit. I've not seen a biopic put together that with that kind of flair that kind of direction, like you said, to have to put to put your roller coaster together. I, I I think other people would have telegraphed a few more things stronger than that in a, in a just a I don't know just directorial choices I see differently in other people than what Cooper did there. Well, here's the thing: all that stuff you're mentioning is great. Like yeah. I said, it's it's got flair, but yeah, like okay, let me break it down each scene at a time. So yeah, the man. first one, the Thanksgiving fight, she says some stuff to him that I feel is supposed to be emotionally devastating, but because uh, but, but unexplored, huh? Yeah. Cause the, the, yeah. what she say? She says something like you're full of hate or so. I can't remember what she mm, says, but she does. Yeah. She says something. She says something that doesn't seem to be in character with what we know of him in the limited amounts we know of him. Okay. Um, so I, I don't, so I'm not there emotionally because I don't buy it. 
and and it's not okay. from the performances. It's just from sure the nar- the narrative that's been told. It, it almost feels like okay, well, we have to have a fight here to progress mm. this part of the story. So we're going to have it now. Whether it happened or not is fine. It right. just doesn't have the pieces around it to strengthen it. So I ne- I never bought it. I got um, you. The concert that concert scene you mentioned is beautiful. Yeah. It's wonderfully shot. Like it's one of those things while you're watching, you're like, holy shit, how'd they do this? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I understand that he's going to her, you know, despite the fight that they had and everything, but I don't understand the context of the concert itself in terms of chronology. I don't know why mm-hmm. this particular performance is important. Why, yeah. why this is the moment where we get that emotional, uh, come through where he goes to her because he, he should, because they're, they're really in love with each other. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't see the narrative through line. Okay. And then the, the cancer thing mm-hmm. um, that does seem, that's probably, I know you said you don't like to use Oscar Beatty. That seems like the most Oscar Beatty yeah. part of the proceedings because I don't know. It just, it feels all those things you mentioned are done well. And I don't doubt yeah. the actors doing them. There's just something missing that sure. made me have any kind of connection with those, with those scenes. Uh, and that, that comes down to building the characters to a point where you can get to that level with them. This, this does feel a little cliff snowy to me. Like it's like, I'm well, getting, I, yeah, I like think that was good. entry, you know? Sure. I think that why, I'll I'll push back to that where you're hops you're hopscotching a very detailed man's career. Like he's got years where he just was on television programs teaching children how to do music. Like he's got right. there's so many more layers to what he does, and we don't see anything from his movie sets, things like that. I mean, we know there exists because all of his music from his career is used as the soundtrack of this movie. There's no external score from another composer. Right. So like cool. we're, we're nice just touch. We're, nice touch. Yeah, yeah. So we're just using Bernstein on Bernstein. Uh, so, it, but no, um, for me, um, the Oscar Beatty stuff is more the first 45. Like let's the way we watch Cooper kind of like chase through all the black and white stuff, all this stuff we chase through like theaters with the big cranes or obviously the imagined song and dance sequence with the sailors. That is the duality of his romantic entanglements. And like, that seems like almost like the shape of water where we, let's stop and dance on stage with a fucking alien or, you know, a fucking sea monster. <laughs> like that seems like that was the Oscar Beatty stuff for me. For me, um, um, I think the through line is, why I, why I won't call this cliff notes is because we spend so much time again on the man and on the family than we do the career where maybe it's a cliff notes of their marriage but without being a cliff notes in his career and I admire that because again we, I think anybody could watch another biopic and go we're just getting we're just getting performance after performance after performance like the, the good biopics dig a little deeper like two examples I'll put there are um get on up with Chadwick Boseman where yeah. you hopscotch with time a little bit, where you're not a traditional birth to death. You cover birth to death, but you pick some right. spots here, you pick some spots there. Performance is definitely more on the nose and and front forward in that movie than it is this movie. And then, of course, you have something like Walk the Line, where uh, that's probably the biggest comp to this movie, where it's it's about the romance, it's about the marriage, it's about the relationship, than it is about you know the man in black on stage who's the persona that everyone knows. Yeah, but you still learn about... Well, okay, let me... You do, yeah. You spend this, more this time is... with those two there, yeah. Let me, I guess what I'm going for with this is, and, and trust me, I, no one wanted to like this as much oh, no. as I yeah. did. I and mean, hey, I so I'm not telling you, I'll never yeah. tell you you're wrong. Well, three is a great score. So yeah, you're fine. I man. think, I, I think we've seen 
stories of celebrities having marital problems. We've seen stories mm. of marital couples where one gets sick and dies. That's We've true. seen that before. So I think the key is for someone like this who is not a household name. Yeah. Like, and, and for me, and I'll talk about this with the performances, especially with Carrie Mulligan as well in a minute. Okay. But I think the problem is, is if I don't know a lot about why this person is renowned, like if I don't okay. have some kind of understanding of why they are the renowned person they are, other than the sweaty performance, I guess what yeah. I mean is, is how is the way they're connecting with the public, be it through movies, Broadway, teaching children, whatever. I need yeah. to have some kind of through line into, okay, yeah, he's chaotic on the marriage front <laughs> and he's kind mm-hmm. of a playboy, but what drives him to that? What drives him to do the cocaine? What drives him to yeah. smoke so much? What dri- like, And how does that translate into works of art that influence and move so many people and all i'm getting i feel like is it's kind of saying like well all you have to know is that he's a composer the greatest american poet yeah they do focus on his stuff and they don't really yeah like i don't know anything about him after this other than his personal life yeah and frankly when it comes to a biopic the reason why biopics are interesting is because everybody's got fucked up marriages everybody's got fucked Mm -hmm. up shit that happens to them i want to know why this per that this person matters so much that they get a biopic made out of them. Um, and I don't think that's, we get that. I don't yeah, think we get that. That's the fine line where um I think that's the fine line between deep dive and by the numbers. Because by the numbers is what you're talking about. Show me the career, show me why he's a big Not deal. Not necessarily. I gave you I gave you the Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs uh, I like Steve yeah, Jobs. But he the, is. the Danny Boyle yeah. one. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I, like and I, because, I thought great movie too. Yeah. Because I like that it it gives you why he's important career-wise by focusing mm-hmm. on three major announcements that That's he makes true. in yeah, his career. Yeah. But at the same time, within those moments, within the within those speeches, like the the hours or moments before it, yeah, it it gives you all this backdrop yeah. you need to know about the kids, the relationship with Kate Winslet, the marriage, yeah. his relationship See, I, with his coworkers, and they only ever did. The reason why I like that one too is there's only one scene where like you see him in the garage with Seth Rogen, like building the stuff Mm -hmm. and you're like, like there's no, there's no, that is about as untraditional as you can get. There's no ABC there. And I I love that. So that's still, I mean, I mean, it does take a cliff. No, it does take Wikipedia dive either before or after the movie to know Bernstein, but like his, his debut on the car at Carnegie Hall to mm. as a as a sick as a sick as a um as a sick day takeover that yeah. that first big like we don't watch the performance but you watch what what it means for him to make it there that's right. big big note big note number one big note two is the fact that is the television interview with Cronkite or whoever the, is the person mm. on the other side like him yeah. being brought him being shown to America as being look we're, uh, resting on being presented and resting on his laurels there. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be note number two. The Eli Cathedral thing that was nationally and internationally televised, where that that is a big deal. Now you don't see Al Michaels on the fucking sidelines letting you know that, but I mean, it's meant right, to right. show that without showing it the most you know over obvious way. Um, so, and then by the time he is his later years, you know, still teaching, still doing the thing, you know, the, the engrossed eighties, yeah. and and then also it's the framing device, but again, it's not overshown. Is that that televised kind of documentary biography about him, where it is after his wife's death and before his, 
Those are meant to kind of be those pieces. They're not as announced, title-carded, and whatnot as, sure, as other sure. ones are. I get what you mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. Or well, it's not actually, as condensed and clear. It's something that like that. Scene, it's the, the scene I love the most in the movie, actually, is the with one... With the framing device? With... No, no. The one where he's actually teaching what you found out was eventually, like, another one of his lovers. Like yeah. In the, in, late, in later uh, in life. The, it, yeah. I love that scene because... I feel like I learned something about composing because it shows oh, sure. him. Yeah. It shows him teaching the kid, like letting the kid do his thing. Mm-hmm. And then he goes up there and he says, Hey, cause, cause frankly, for someone like me, who's not like a, I'm not a music person in terms sure. of that kind of level of music, like, like yeah. classical symphony, blah, blah, blah. Um, I always just assumed uh, ignorantly, of course, that, you know, the composer writes the music maybe, but like, Mm-hmm. Going up there yeah. is, is more is more theater than anything else, you know, showing like moving your arms around and stuff. And in that scene, it actually shows you like, no, 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 there's a purpose to every yeah. movement I, I use with my hands. So that was something where I was like, oh, OK, that's more. I know that that seems like it's in the weeds or inside baseball or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that gave me more in that one scene gave me more insight to him as the actual maestro than anything else in the picture. And that's what I'm I looking for, I guess, is a little yeah. bit more of that. I guess. Um, fun fact. If I remember from the interviews we heard correctly, that was his first scene in makeup is the teaching scene at the end. Interesting. Interesting. Where like that's him trying on that character. Or well, I mean, he's been you know Cooper. Cooper's a Cooper's a method actor studio guy where he's not Christian yeah. Bale asshole about it, but at the same time, man's doing his practice, his due diligence. I mean, he's been trying that accent and working on the, you know, the how he's gonna do what he's gonna do the whole time. But that was the well, I think if you remember correctly, that's the first thing in character. He may not be a huge asshole about it, but I did watch he can his be, director. He's got his I did watch. Time. I did watch his director on director with Spike Lee on YouTube. That's cool to watch. Yeah, um, and the fact that he has a uh, no chairs on the set deal that's sure. pushing. That's pushing me a little too. Much. That's it's pushing. Like, if if you're gonna do that, you got to have. You got to be the the cool guy who does shorter workplace hours. You know, you can't put twelve hours on people and not let them sit down. Or get a fucking sandwich. That's the kind of stuff that drives me nuts. Yeah, but but if he does that and you're done in four hours, good man. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I doubt that was the case. But yes, we work in a profession where we're on our feet six hours a day, so I'm (laughs) used to it. But no, I think other people would not be. But I I did hear that little rule of his. That was interesting to see. Yeah, and uh, I like Spike Lee because Spike Lee was like. I ain't fucking doing that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. You can sit yeah, down yeah. if you want to. <laughs> like, yeah, I think like, that's great. Or but, like, uh, there was like no video village. Like, he's not looking at dailies on the spot. He's shooting it and leaving. You know, like that's an Eastwood move there. So I mean, I get that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's well, interesting. That's the fun part for me about this is um, I think A Star Is Born is a better movie than this movie. Um, and they're both fantastic movies to me. But that one obviously has way more punch to me. Um, but uh, it's super interesting to watch him emerge like if this is his second step because like a star is born everyone was kind of doing the whole thing where you like people were yelling about how they shot that movie so up close with like the you know the facial close-ups almost like almost like the Les Mis movie from a couple years before that where it's like too close and in the face you know and then this movie you can tell peels back a lot does a lot of longer wider shots even medium shots and and you can tell he's evolving it's cool to watch him live here involve as a filmmaker. Like if this is his second step, a big brassy biopic with lots of moving parts, some style, um, and, and, and inner through thread that's not by the numbers, like whew, 
If this is number good. two, I don't know what he's got to like. I can't wait to see what he does in the third movie. Like, I, what what can well, this man keep doing in an amazing way? And maybe he doesn't have to call his own number the next time. But even if he does, holy shit, he's still damn good. Well, not to take away from a Stars Born, which I thought was fine. It's another one where I, I yeah, think I was like three and a half or something. Sure. The, the other the the thing that he was able to do with that one is. He, some of the heavy lifting of the narrative since it was like the fourth remake of something. That's true. You know, he, I mean, he did have to write the music and come up with creative ways to, to, to make it different uh, than no. the other ones, but I, he didn't have to, he, he didn't have to worry too much about where the narrative was going or yeah. to be too creative with how, how much he could subvert the expectations. And I think that helped sure. him focus on other things. Yeah. Or this just one, let Lady Gaga shine, you know, <laughs> Right. This one, and this is where my main complaint is, I think that mm-hmm. he had his heart in all the right places. It's just that he had to, I think he put too much on himself to do too much and something had to go by the wayside. I would prefer okay. that this doesn't look as visually dynamic, but I get to know the characters more than the opposite. I think this is a visually yeah. dynamic, amazing film to watch. Like it's mesmerizing to watch visually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I, I can't, it, much like uh, Dune, I, and it's a weird comparison, mm. but much, yeah. much like Dune, much like hey, Dune, this which is, is a, this is a Will Johnson special, the show I was waiting for this. Yeah, here we go. That's right. Much like Dune, which is visually stunning. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, this one has a lot more emotion than Dune does because Dune is very emotionally absent. Um, yeah, but I, I guess it's the same thing where I watch it. Uh, those, these to me are both three star movies. We're like Dune okay. and Maestro. It's like, I'm watching something really special visually, but I'm not connecting on any other level than that. And yeah. that's what's kind of frustrating. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to bring up with you, and I, I want your take on this, and this is the other okay. problem with maybe not, I don't want to say developing the characters, but okay. <clears throat> taking on subjects that are maybe not as well known. You know, I, I do think, yeah. I do think a biopic has kind of the, the, op, the, the, uh, responsibility in even a small way mm-hmm. to let you know um what these characters are like and i also mean that on a physical front too now now okay I, what i mean by this is uh carrie mulligan and because mm. of the visual style of that black and white portion yeah I, i'm never sure how much of it is exaggerated uh like is this was this really what it was like, or is this kind of like that wishful thinking to the good old days of Hollywood, you know, when, and New York, when you were writing Broadway plays and being on Carnegie, like, because it has a very, that, that first uh, 45 minutes or 30 mm-hmm. minutes, wherever the black and white portion has a very old Hollywood style feel to oh, it. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And they, they shrink it to the Academy ratio down 1.3, you know, like it's very intentional right. how they made that. And yeah. So I guess my question is, I was, Carrie Mulligan's the person she's portraying. I can never remember her name. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it, was she, did she really talk like that? Did he really talk yeah. like that? Now, yeah, this was it is I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to be heightened and it, it gets to the point where I think a lot of people who don't even know this person might even think it's parody. Oh, I can see what you mean. And then, and, and then to throw in this song and dance sequence, I see. Yeah. Cause no, you're right. The, the black and white portion of the movie with, um, and I mean, Props to the cinematographer Matthew Libatik, who did a Star is Born with him, did Mother, you know. Um, he's he's good, you know, he does some Aronofsky stuff. Oh, sure. I mean, he's, he's talented. No, you're right, that black and white portion of the movie 
is where you have like the the dreamy the the, the crazy crane shots the the over the head you know uh, crazy transitions into you know auditoriums and crowds and the, it is very I think that's a good read where it's it's how I remember us meeting as much as it is. Yeah. You, they, they, I mean, they still met exactly like that. Like, I mean, they still met through sure, mutual but, friends, you know, they, through his sister. Um, they fell in love at the same time. He was kind of still in the, into his thing with his other people, um, and all the Carnegie and uh, the, the the rise of his success is all there. But um, but no, it, it is by the by the time you do the song and dance sequence, even their little stagey first date, you know, line read thing, how they meet yeah. with the cute pianos and and the dreaminess of this and that. Um, I do think there's a there is definitely a level of this is how I remember it happening because the final image of the movie is exactly back to that of like how I remember her. I remember her as that black and white stunner I met when I like when I remember yeah, her. That's the one I, I remember. The, and that's your lasting image. The, and I, I'm okay with that. That's a nice way of doing it. But I think the problem is with me, at least with the Carrie Mulligan, is I was so so absorbed with trying to figure out if this is intentional or not the performance mm, like the way she's yeah. speaking and stuff that it took away from what i should have been focusing on is well that, if that makes that's sense. a brit i mean that's a brit doing a flim flam you know tina fey well i don't want to say tina fey but you've got sarah <laughs> silverman there you know kind of you're doing the very you know hey americans you're doing a 40s american you know and that's i yeah and the, now a, a brit I, doing I, 40s american is going to sound like you know lois lane you know it's going to be it's yeah it's going to be that so i did and him tell you being a 40s Jewish guy. It's going to be that. So now I did tell you I did admire. I do think I smell like 35 percent bullshit on the explanation, but I do enjoy the fact because <laughs> that Bradley Cooper, he, his accent does change quite often throughout the film. Like you're, he's it's, mm. there's nothing consistent about it. I think like yeah, he and some of it he said, and I admire this, even though I think mm-hmm. majority of it is bullshit or maybe okay. a small minority is that, you know, his voice would change from all the smoking over time. And I get that. I, I buy that. My dad sounds that different then than he did when I was a kid. Yep. Right. But the, the, the fact that it kind of changes in four or five different timelines or search uh, chronologies or sections, like, it's, it bothers it's me a little quite, bit, but it's not quite Kevin Costner, Robin Hood and Prince of Thieves, inconsistent British, but I sure. see what you mean. Well, and yeah, their time. How are they time hopping? You see him at his oldest to start the movie. You see him as yeah. youngest in the black and white stuff, and then you're kind of perpetually moving forward from there. And yeah, there's I a wish. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I wonder if some of it is also, and this, again, this could be part of your 35% bullshit. Some of that could be teacher, I'm in a room voice too. Like, what's the voice I put on when I need to record and sound pretty? Or what voice do I put on to sound like Mr. Shanahan in front of my class? Like, sure. Yeah, that so. versus how I talk to my wife, you know, like, some of that could be there too. The showing, like, am I on camera? How showy am I going to be? So that kind of maybe that's that's, that's still counts as thirty five bullshit. Yeah, that's a good point. I I don't know. Yeah. I just uh, I feel do like you I'm, sound different this, when you teach your kids than when you talk to me on the podcast. Uh, I do. No. <laughs> oh, I, there there is I, Mr. Shanahan. Then there is Don, and this is no. I don't have a, I'm I'm who I am with oh, like my bosses <laughs> might be a little bit yeah. different, but with kids, especially. These uh, middle school kids that I teach, I mean, it's, it's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All sarc- have- I'm actually probably more uh, <laughs> appropriate. Worse them than here. <laughs> that worse. I'm probably better here than I am. Oh, okay. In the classroom. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, so I much go, better. I'm, yeah. I, this I, is me uh, being an adult. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of crazy, yeah. but uh, no, oh, no. It's, this uh, is me being an adult. I get to say the f word, and it's great. So. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, kids, if you um, hear this, Jane doesn't mean it. I'm sorry. Go, exactly. don't, don't listen. Go listen to the Trolls episode, not the Maestro episode. This is your chance to move. See you later. Bye. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah. it's a pretty good endpoint. Any final? Um, no, I, I tell you what. Um, yeah, for me, it's um, I admit I'm that guy who who gave a five stars to a stars born. He gave a five stars to this. It's probably number. Mm. It's probably number three in my top ten when I get when I sit down and yeah. do it. Um, I'm just um. Normally, and we've talked about this in the show, normally I'm not dazzled by craft. But when I see craft with intent versus craft just to show off craft. Right. You're talking. Yeah, when it's craft for the sake of craft, um, I don't normally buy it. But like when I hear about it, again, the more I learn about this movie being the critic dork that I am, um, the more I just appreciate it. Like, like for example, in that Thanksgiving scene with the, uh, the apartment, like his actual Grammys are sitting there. Like, I mean, they reproduced a thousand things down to the stitch, the magnets on his fridge in Connecticut. It's just when I hear all that, and then I hear like the costume designs to get her costumes, right. And then to see how they did that. And like the sound, of course, in, in this voluminous layers of being able to, how do you capture an orchestra on camera and not have it be done in post? They're like, when I see craft with intent and intent mm-hmm. to impress and intent to do well, I, I can tip my hat to that. And then I, then I still get two dazzling performances from Cooper and Mulligan and little parts along the way where I'm just, yeah, the, the ways, the, the number of ways that I'm impressed and then still moved. Um, yeah, just, it, it got me in the right places and tingles as a critic and as a person. And that was, that was enough for me. Um, in a, in a year where I've seen bigger swings completely miss in that department where I'm supposed to care and give sure. a shit. And I just right. don't. Whereas this one, because you moved past the Wikipedia and showed me the man, that was that was enough to impress me. Is it the kind of story I would watch every? <laughs> I'm not going to watch this every Christmas and every month, but I, I'll happily go back and go, "Dang, Bradley, nice work." You know. Sure, sure. I I would say the same. I say Bradley, nice work, but I am kind of the opposite. I kind of felt like I got the Wikipedia version. Not okay. not even really because I had to go into Wikipedia. Well, because you get all this that, family stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's like I said that it, depending on what your goal of it is, uh, it's just maybe my ideal biopic while not being totally by the numbers. Like I said, I kind of, one of my favorite ones is Steve jobs. Yeah. Um, great. And also and the that, fact that we've had, that's also boil and Sorkin cooking too, you know, like that movie yeah, moves, and, you know? Yeah. And the fact that uh, one we'll talk about in the future and one we've already talked about the fact that we've had two biopics that I felt kind of did exactly what I needed and were not traditional. Uh, mm. Being both being both uh, Oppenheimer and Ferrari, uh, two, yeah. two two films that are in my top ten. Um, mm-hmm. That those you know those kind of hit more of what I needed from a biopic than I got uh, you. That yeah, I, uh, that I got here, it, but yeah, but it, yeah, not a bad it's film a at all. You know, like it's um, it's I think it comes down a lot to how much homework do you need read for you and how much homework are you willing to take after the movie? Like it, for me, like all of this improved. I'm not normally that guy. All of this improved second viewing post homework, you know, the, the access I've been able to have where um, I probably was closer to four when I saw it the first time, just at a critic screening. Then mm-hmm. obviously I saw it like a week later that week, same week um, yeah. at the Hollywood thing. And then learning all the things about it. Just, yeah. The appreciation raised where, Maybe I need to sure. get more movies, second viewings and, and that. But uh, no, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think you're right. I think it's a biopic that completely takes 
homework and still kind of shoves homework in your face. That's fair. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, folks, uh, we have merch um, from shirts to stickers. I want you to find some of our sweet cinephile hissy fit swag on tpublic.com slash user slash ruminations radio network. Uh, follow uh, us on Twitter at cinephile fit on Facebook at cinephile hissy fit podcast and on Instagram at cinephile fits. You can find both me and Don by name on letterboxd and to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on rotten tomatoes and we are charter members of the independent film critics of America. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership and our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile his fit is a ruminations radio network podcast sponsored by film obsessive. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.